This is Asha Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. You're listening to the second part of my conversation with SLP Jen Oshita about effective communication in healthcare. Jen is an SLP and the health services researcher and a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Colorado. And she's a member of the Disability Equity Collaborative, an organization focused on helping patients with disabilities access healthcare. In our conversation, Jen discusses how communication access and healthcare interactions can contribute to health disparities for people with communication disabilities. She provides strategies SLPs can share with people with communication disabilities to facilitate effective communication in healthcare. Throughout the episode, we'll hear from patients and care partners as they share their experience with the healthcare system. First, we hear from Hari Cannon, a recent graduate of University of Maryland's inclusive post-secondary education program, Terp succeed. My, my name is Harry Cannon. I am currently taking classes at at um Montgomery College and also working at a Taekwondo studio. And also um I, I am born with Down syndrome. In December, I spoke with Hari and his mother, who also acts as a care partner. And in our conversation, she highlights something she's noticed during Hari's healthcare appointments. I'm Vidya Tirumalai. Doctors or the care providers themselves, they tend to talk to us more than talking to Hari. She went on to say this is different from the way doctors treat Hari's brother. As a care partner, she told me that she would still be a part of the care Hari receives, but she wants Hari to have more autonomy and understand what's going on too. There are a few doctors who are the exception. And Hari would walk out of that appointment going like, okay, we need to go pick up my medication on the way home. Like, or I need to take this two times a day or things like that. Like he feels confident leaving. Like I know what happens. But when Hari leaves without understanding his care plan, Vidya says that is not a comfortable feeling for anyone. So I want to Hari likes when instructions are slowed down and broken down into steps. Some of the doctors you like, what do they what do they do different? Uh, they all talk to me like they are talking to me and my family too. Uh, you have a good conversation going. Um, so you are part of the conversation, yeah. yeah. They also told me some other barriers they encounter. They say the doctors are often rushed, and this can mean that not every provider takes the time to clearly communicate with them. With this in mind, I asked Jen what an SLP might do to help a client self-advocate in a situation where there's limited time and not everyone takes the time to clearly and slowly communicate. In response, Jen highlights that SLPs can provide communication supports around healthcare. Jen says SLPs can start with an assessment, such as those on the website of the Center for Transition to Adult Healthcare for Youth with Disabilities. And Jen says, despite the name, the website also has relevant information for people with acquired communication disabilities. It's just a little checklist, like, please check the box that applies to you right now. I know what medical conditions I have, and they have options for, yes, I know this, I need to learn this, I will need help with this. And then I know what my medications are for. And then the patient or client would check. Yes, I know, or I need to learn, or I need help. I take my medicines without someone reminding me. So those are just some examples, right? Of like, these are healthcare skills that are essential to being able to navigate a healthcare encounter. 
a hospitalization, right? Any encounter with the healthcare system, you need to know what your medical conditions are, what medications you are you are on. So an SOP could, you know, check off which which of these skills our patient or client feels comfortable with and which they need supports to express. And then we can build out those communication tools like an AC book around the medications, right? And I could imagine a page with pictures of each medication and and learning about those, getting familiar with those before the actual encounter. Because if the, you know, medicines have complex names and if you know, you go to your appointment and that's the first time you're really talking about them, it's going to be tough. I think SLPs have a huge potential role in creating those supports with our patients and clients in preparation for those visits. And again, also the advocacy, right? From the start of the appointment, tell your provider, hey, this is the best way to communicate me. I need to use my this communication book. When you're talking about my health condition or my medications, can you point to the pictures in my book? And that also slows the pace of the interaction down. You can also ask your provider, please, um, if you can talk to me at a slower pace, it takes me a while to process. And that, right, what I just said might be a script that that an SLP teaches their patient or if it needs to be written down and then the patient shows their provider, right? This is what I need to support me and show your provider the written scripts if that's an easier way to inform your provider. And so those are all the things to prepare before that 15 to 20 minute appointment that will make the interaction go more smoothly. A few items I want to mention from the past episode. Jen and communication specialist Karen Hilliard made a few recommendations for clients who are feeling rushed. They suggested clarifying the roles between patients and care partners before an appointment and clarifying those roles with the provider. Recording appointments with healthcare providers or requesting a note taker so patients can review the information provided during an appointment and requesting more time for a healthcare appointment to avoid feeling rushed or hurried. Hear more about this in the most recent episode of the podcast. Find that in the podcast archive or at on.ash.org slash podcast. We're going to hear another healthcare story now, and then we'll hear Jen's response. I spoke with Lynn Piper, someone that Jen connected me with. Here's Lynn. My name is uh, Lynn Piper, and when I was a toddler, I had a... The measles, because the vaccine was not available then, and then over the years, I began losing hearing, and by the age of 40 or something, I was totally deaf, and I'm now 79, and I have two cochlear implants, but I also need lip reading. And I'm most comfortable in a one-to-one situation and not in groups. Lynn says that communication barriers became more of a problem for her during the COVID-19 pandemic. You may recall that masks created challenges for people who rely on facial cues. And she says she wanted providers to use clear masks or text to type. And not all providers agreed to this. Here's Lynn. 
basically the whole COVID and mask wearing was a kind of a nightmare for me. Lynn told me a long story of a head injury. Uh, this was maybe two and a half years ago or so. She described a number of barriers to care. She told me medical personnel didn't believe what she told them when she first uh, arrived. And she said she'd had a head injury, I think, a few weeks prior. And eventually she received a CAT scan and went to inpatient rehab. And there were more communication challenges there. I understand you're familiar with Lynn's story as well. And I'm wondering what your takeaway was from your experience talking to Lynn. Yeah, gosh, Lynn's story is a really awful one, to be honest. Her brain bleed was missed initially, and she had strained communication with her healthcare team. They had to write notes to her, and she didn't want to bring her cochlear implants in because of past experiences where her mom's hearing aids had been lost twice at a hospital. And this is very common. I hear this all the time from my patients who have hearing aids. I, I'm not going to bring my hearing aids in because the last time I brought them in, they were lost. And so we have a lot of patients who come in without their hearing aid devices. And so one thing is, you know, patients could ask for hearing amplifiers. More healthcare organizations and hospitals carry those. I do want to mention something else she said. She said she was talking about after surgery. I was waking up cognitively. I tried to explain to them how much intellectual and emotional energy it takes to communicate when you're deaf. Yes, and I've heard this a lot too, that um, this cumulative uh, emotional and physical fatigue from trying to navigate the healthcare system and navigate healthcare communication when you have a communication disability. I think it's really important. I know hearing Lynn's story was really impacted me because um, as an SLP and as someone that doesn't have a communication disability, I think it's important for me to understand the lived experience of having a communication disability and how that that cumulative fatigue can then have downstream effects on your willingness to participate in care, right? Maybe even your um, your engagement in your engagement in your care, and it might I don't know. I mean, I wonder if it explains, you know, the statistics that we see of patients with communication disabilities being more likely to delay or forego care, that that fatigue that they feel from trying to navigate an inaccessible healthcare system and how it then impacts how they manage their own health and how they prioritize their health in their life. I think when someone's visiting a healthcare provider, it's easy for them to think of the provider as someone that's going to maybe already have an understanding of things like that, you know, the cognitive load, the energy associated, but maybe maybe not. In Lynn's story, uh, Lynn also shared this with me. She's, she was talking about speaking with one of the providers there, uh, a doctor. The person she was speaking with uh, wanted her to 
use the cochlear implants to communicate. It's not what she wanted to do at the time. She says, And I said to him, it's not my job to make your life easier. It's my job to tell you how you can best learn to communicate so we can both have an easier life. And that's what they weren't doing. They weren't listening. That's an awesome quote from Lynn. She hit the nail right on the head that patients with communication disabilities have the right to tell their doctors, this is the best way to communicate with me. And and I know Lynn had told me that story. I think it was using like a typewriting device and then it what you type shows up on a screen for your communication partner to read. And that's not a very taxing addition to a healthcare visit for the cost of be, of someone with a communication disability being able to clearly understand what you're saying. And I would say to any patients listening to this, advocating for your healthcare organizations to have heart or communication access real-time transcription where you have a live person typing out the communication exchange that's probably the ideal situation, but I know not every organization has that. And so these types of uh, texting devices or transcription devices are kind of maybe your next best option. But I, I, I think that's a reasonable ask for a provider. Jen, at risk of oversimplifying, I was hoping you could name two or three simple ideas that SLPs might be able to enact to foster better healthcare access in their setting and or among their clients? Sure. I might, I don't know if I'm going to be repetitive, but you know, as a sum up, I think first, you know, I think we can think about ourselves as playing a pivotal role in healthcare equity for our patients with communication disabilities through improving access And currently, we are excellent at thinking about activities of communication in the realms of school, right, career participation, social participation. And I think we just have to add to that list healthcare participation. I think it's worth in our therapy sessions to to assess and think about how well is this patient in front of me managing their health care? What role do they want to play in their health care? What role do they want their care partners to play in their health care? What communication supports can I build out for them so that they have those supports ready for them? And then also how can I train them on those supports? So maybe like role play situation so that it's not novel thing for the patient to use when it's showtime at the visit and they're pressured by their provider in the 15-minute visit. So that I think that role play could be another powerful tool. So I think these are not new therapy techniques that I'm introducing. It's just bringing them to the area of healthcare access. Okay, well, we've covered so much, but I want to ask you one more question, and that is about the organizational level, because we've talked about the provider, we've talked about the role of the SLP, and we've talked about the person seeking care, but what can be done at the organizational level? That's a great question, and that's 
one of the areas that I'm focusing on on my research. So excited to talk about that. But a study that I recently completed interviewing disability coordinators from healthcare organizations. And so these coordinators, some of them are leads of interpreter services, some of them are leads of the patient experience, some are leads of disability departments, but a lot of them said, you know, we're not trained in communication disabilities. And so that's why it's, you know, it's not my area of expertise. And they all welcomed working with SLPs at an organizational level. I would say as SLPs, if you can find out who your disability coordinator is, I think a lot of them would welcome a partnership. And you could also provide recommendations on accommodations that they should have on stock. And and I think also promoting the approach of SLPs as providing supports because a lot of these coordinators, when I asked, well, like in terms of working with SLPs, they also said, well, the thing is, I'm not trying to fix his speech. They are kind of still thinking in that medical model of SLP. And I think we can advocate within our organizations that we are also here to provide supports to assess and provide supports to help with communication access so that at that organizational level, I think that we can also educate other providers so that healthcare access in regards to communication disability isn't restrained to the speech and language pathology department. And for any managers out there, you know, giving your SLPs time to sit at the organizational table for this important issue, if they're called to provide input in this area, I think that is a worthwhile endeavor. That's great. Anything else that you wanted to add in that area? There's one other thing is that like in my study, there was also this knowledge vacuum around communication disabilities. And even disability coordinators didn't always know what aphasia was. So I think as SLPs, just just know that you have this valuable knowledge about communication disabilities, about what persons with communication disabilities struggle with, and what that might look like when they face a healthcare system. It's a knowledge that not all healthcare providers have. Even physicians and nurses don't assume that they know this. Very often, you'll have to provide education either through training or maybe even through your notes, right? Recommendations on recommended strategies and other recommendations on your reports. Jen, I want to say thank you. Appreciate the time you spent talking to me about this today. Yeah, sure. Thanks, JD. If you haven't heard the first half of my conversation with Jin Oshida, check the podcast archive at on.ash.org slash podcast and look for more episodes on communication access throughout 2024. Subscribe to the podcast to be among the first to hear new episodes and visit on.ash.org slash podcast to find resources and learn more about communication access. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.